Hello, and welcome to the Yellow Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Juliette Marhofer-Duggar, and I truly believe this could be the best part of your day, so I am thrilled that you are here. I have a very special guest on this dialogue with me today, Esther Fedekovich, my very own publisher, founder of the Fed Agency in Austin, Texas. The Fed Agency partners with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and influencers to help them share their inspirational stories and messages worldwide. They represent more than 80 New York Times best-selling books and over 300 authors. They're dedicated to staying ahead of the curve to help their authors craft books and careers that thrive. Their books and authors have been featured the New York Times, CNN, Fox News, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, Publishers Weekly, USA Today, Wall Street Journal, Good Morning America, The Today Show, ESPN, and Forbes. Please put your hands together and let's give a warm welcome to our special guest today and lean in to hear a wealth of information that she has to share with us. So I have the pleasure today of speaking with my dear and wonderful publisher and founder of the Fed Agency located in Austin, Texas. So excited that you're here. We've attempted to get this scheduled <laughs> several times and we nailed it. We did it. <laughs> Thank you, Julia. It's great to be here. I was grabbing a copy of your book because I was hoping we could talk a little bit about this too. I know it's you're going to ask me questions, but I'm like, we have to talk about this. <laughs> We can talk about that. It took, it took long enough. We need to talk about it. Well, it's, well, a part of it is how many people out there have stories that they want to tell and they really don't understand like how hard it is. Right. And so if they're really feeling called to do it, then they got to kind of know it's not the, it's not easy. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to want to talk about that. And I, you've had some changes. You've relocated offices. You have a new space. Your former office was beautiful where I signed my contract with the Fed agency. I got to come to your new location after my book was published and it is wow. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful. It was something, Jules, that I envisioned for a long time. And I always said, when I have the money to spend on, you know, everyone in COVID now, you know, after COVID is working from home and I'm like the opposite. I'm like, I'm building this huge building and have this vision of what I want to do. And I I think, you know, I'm a big believer that when we're together, just so much more happens, even if you're in different offices, things that you miss when you're working from home. And plus I do a horrible job working from home. So COVID was like the worst for me because I need to be around people. I'm such a people person. So it's been great. You know, as we were building this office, we've been here for over a year now and I wanted the books to be the art. So when you, if you ever come to the Fed agency in Austin, Texas, everything, the art on the walls are all people's stories in their books. And it's pretty cool to see from the last 20 years, stories from the very beginning to where things have come now. And then in my office, I collect first editions. So it's the old books, like when book, when publishing just started. So in my office, I have all first editions. And then in the main office, you just see everyone's stories of from modern day publishing in the last 20 years. It's yeah, fun. it's fascinating. I loved it. I mean, I, when I walked in the walls at the beginning that are glass that you can see, and it's so open and it's, it's stunning truly. And all the stories. I mean, I feel like when I was standing there, uh, greeted by Danielle, it was so sweet because I just, I I just remember just kind of looking up and looking around and looking at the walls and just knowing that I was surrounded by life and by people's stories and what you guys do. Well, and then think, okay, so I'm, I'm Juliet's publisher and agent, right? So as I were, I have the privilege of talking to her when she, I remember from when I first got introduced to her and I first heard her like almost like absolutely amazing, crazy story that you're like, is this really true? Could this really be possible? Right. Right. And then have your book on our walls. The coolest part about it is I know your story. Right. And our team knows it. And then you think and you walk and in the morning when you come in, you're like, I was part of that. You know, and so I tell my team, you get thousands of letters in of suicides not committed, of people coming to Christ, of marriages saved, of, you know, my favorite of like mothers or fathers and their kids reunited, you know, and when we look at those walls, we're like, we helped because we helped get this book out and that message out. It doesn't matter if it was a thousand people that read it or, you know, a million, it serves a purpose. And so it's really fun, when, you know, surreal when you walk in and you get to remember back on these stories and now you're on our walls and um, you probably have one of the prettiest covers I've ever seen. 
seen in my life. Oh, thank you, thank you. That, that she has this dress she's wearing on the back. I don't know if this video, but like the dress in the back is just, I mean, it's, and when you read the book, you'll even see why it's even that much, you know, more beautiful. You know what, you guys, the execution of that couldn't have been done without your amazing team. So yeah, that was in uh, White Sands, New Mexico. I had a photographer, her and her husband, they're traveling photographers and they met me there. We camped out, we bunked to the cabin in New Mexico together. My oldest son was with me, Cole. And uh, the next day at golden hour, we went to White Sands, New Mexico, and that was at sunset. So that's when we actually took that picture. It's not Photoshop. So your designer, uh, I asked her to, I said, I just want to enhance the backdrop that's already there. And some people were like, are you Photoshop? I said, no. <laughs> you're really not Photoshopping. I thought the same thing, but you're not. And she's like, no, yeah. we didn't, didn't want herself Photoshopped. And it's like amazing. Like I love, I mean, you really, it really looks just like this. <laughs> I know. People were like, oh, you're Photoshopped. I said, no, my feet were actually freezing in the sand. That's, that's real. I had a vision and, but I have to say that what your designer did, the, the communication that we had and what the Fed agency did and, and how my vision for the cover of that book was able to be brought to life. I wanted it to be, I wanted it to look modern, um, but I also wanted it to look timeless at the same time. And I feel like we were able to achieve that. And the communication in the process of writing my book and the continuity of your team and the flow of just the entire process was phenomenal, truly. Thank you. Well, my yeah. team really, we all love story here and we all have different giftings in the part of your story or other stories of how to get it out. So it could be from being a copy editor to being, you know, someone who's actually works with you on the manuscript to marketing, to branding, to, you know, Facebook ads, whatever it is, we have different experts in here that help get that whole story out. You know, because it takes literally not one person can do it. I used to do it all by myself in the beginning. You know, when you first start yeah. as an agent, I was 25 years old and I'm like doing all of it from accounting to through payroll, you know, literally all the bookkeeping, the contracts, the legal work, the selling. And I'm like, you only, I mean, you weren't getting That's the right. best. Yeah. yeah. And you weren't getting the best of me. Like I am not the best at copy editing. Right. So you don't want. Esther copy editing. You want Esther working on marketing, you know, or branding stuff. It's interesting, you know, when fun, when you actually have this vision, you ha can have a whole amazing team around you that all, you know, we work on, we kind of emphasize people's strengths, not their weaknesses. Yeah. I mean, it takes a village and I'm so thankful that God chose your team to help me do what I knew that I always wanted to do. You know, I knew that at 13, I was like, ah, oh, I just want to be an author someday. And then, you know, fast forward years later, and I knew that I had at least one book in me and I had a mentor, Dr. Miles Monroe, him and his wife are, are with Jesus now for years listening to his teaching. And he would say, everyone has at least one book. Everyone has at least one book in them. I, I believe yeah. Miles, they say that 95% of Americans will say that at one, they'll say, I want to write a book at one time yeah. in my life. No. Oh, yeah. 95 don't do it. 95% don't do it. But they all say sometime if I'm going to write a book. It's like, it sounds so cliche, but if it were easy, everyone would do it. I can remember some of the early conversations. And one of the things that stood out to me is when the literary agent reached back out to me, we've prayed over you. We've prayed about your story and we truly felt called to help you tell your story. And that was it for me. And I just knew, I just knew that you were my people. And there were so many moving parts and pieces. The editor, absolute genius. I mean, the way she was able to move, move those parts around so that there was a flow and a continuity again, and it just to be able to make sense. And I got to that point where writing thousands and thousands of words, I think by the, the second time it came around, it actually looked like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> the first manuscript was like, whatever. But the second time I was like, oh, this is, this is what it is. And I really believe uh, what makes an, an excellent read is that you rewrite and you rewrite and you rewrite. And that's really was my goal. If I could tell another writer, maybe newer to this process is that keep rewriting. I told my editor repeatedly, this isn't just my book, it's our book. But I would say that by the time you get all those thousands of words put out there and you turn in those, those manuscripts and you go through the edits, then you have the substance. Then you actually have so much, your editor has so much to choose from, right? And then it's like, right. it filters it's, out what doesn't need to be said. It's hard because you're so close to your story, right? And exactly. when you think of something, Juliet, that you're like, 
this has to be in here, yeah. but the reader's reading it and it, you lose them in it, even though it's an important, but it's a small piece in something bigger that you're trying a point you're trying to make. So it's yeah. really hard for editors and authors when they're in that, when there's too much there coming from sales. My thing is it's never, it's not gone forever. Listen, in your next book, probably some of that stuff's going to make it in yeah. the next book, right? Or yes. it's not gone forever. It could be a free extra chapter that you give them, but it's really hard when you're cutting a manuscript and you're deciding what stays and, and also what can the reader take? You know, sometimes like yes. your story, there's a lot there. You want the reader to keep reading. Right. And you, and sometimes it's just too much. Right. And that's yeah. where they're trying to, the editors, they're, they're just trying to help you get to the place where the reader doesn't stop through your book. Yeah. They're in your corner. <laughs> in your corner. Remember on that. your side. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're in yeah. your corner. They want I always tell people, I want this book to sell. I don't care if I like it or if I'm like, want it to be this cover or I want it. I care more. Will people buy it? Because that's the end of the goal. Will people buy it and read this amazing book that you wrote? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They are. It's it's really coming to the understanding that they are they are just as invested as you. They may not be as emotionally tied to your story as you are, but to remember that they're in your corner, right, and that they're and that they're fighting for you. So. You remember, Jules? I told you in the beginning when you came into our office and you and you were signing the contract. I'm like, okay, you have to just one thing I want you to remember is trust the process. Yes. Trust the process. Like you work on this right now. Don't be thinking what's a year from now. Think of what you're working on right now, and then just trust us at the end you're going to be happy with it. But there's for me to try to explain every single thing along the way, what worked a year ago is totally different today. That's yeah. how fast publishing is changing. Yeah. And just your encouragement to do the audiobook because I couldn't believe that the, the response that I received from doing the audiobook. You actually have a really great audio voice. We had, you're on our narrating list because we're like, okay, if somebody needs a female narrator, right, we should call Juliet because she's that. I love good. it. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I love it. I love the process and the engineer JJ and his wife were just, were just amazing. Let's dig into to Esther and more into the Fed. Tell us what brings you joy. My kids bring me joy the most. I mean, I think you could ask any yeah. mother, but like on outside of, you know, my kids, which I think are the great, every mom will say this, but I think my kids are just the absolute best. Yes. What brings me the most joy is, and this is, I know this sounds super cheesy, but when I can sit with an author, I don't care how many followers, how famous they are, and get to the heart of their, their thing, their it thing that make there's the part of the story. That's the, the aha moment. And when I can get there, like it brings me so much joy. It used to be like, okay, when we got a book deal and we, you got to see the book on the shelf that brought me so much joy. Or uh, I love when I get a piece of paper in from a publisher that says your book's just been translated into Taiwanese or French or, you know, German. And it makes me so happy when I see a book translated into different languages because I'm like, we made it. It's in different countries, you know. Yeah. But the other side I love really is finding that aha moment because I believe I literally do believe everybody has a story. Now, everyone's, you know, some people will write a book and it'll sell. It's meant to sell five copies or 10 copies. But I believe and then some are millions and millions. But I believe everybody has a story. So when we can find that aha moment, that thing that makes their story different than everyone else's, that's what brings me the most joy because I'm helping. I know that that aha moment will help the other people too, because it just helped me. I love that. I, and that's almost like what I hear you saying is that in those moments, you're seeing that person come alive, right? You're seeing them live fully alive to an area for them that maybe they've been putting off or they've been, they've been holding back, stepping into that space with God just because of fear and you're there to say, you can do this. Yeah. I'm like a cheerleader. Incur I might, you know, my gift has always been encouragement. So I love encouraging people to go for it and not quit. So many people miss their, their miracle, their, their moment because they quit, they quit too early. And I, I use this, you might've heard me say this before, but I was reading about C.S. Lewis, you know, and I think if you ask most Christians, you know, they'll say their favorite author would be C.S. Lewis. He's probably 90% of everyone's favorite author, yeah. you know, and I was reading on his publishing, like how he got started publishing. And he had over 600 rejections, 600 no's before someone oh said, yes, we'll publish you. And that back then, that was 600 letters written. You know, that that's like, when do you quit? And I think if I was C.S. Lewis's agent, and I'm not a quitter. So if you guys, you know me, Jules, but if you don't know me, I like, I will never quit. I'll just keep going, 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 going until I finally, finally get the yes. So I'm like, if I was with C.S. Lewis, would I stay 600 rounds with him? I, yeah. I would think yes, right? I would I would like to believe in myself that I would, but that's a long time, right? That's a lot of yeah, no. Absolutely. If he quit 
at the 600 know, we would never have had, you know, The Great Divorce, Narnia, you know, all of these amazing books he's written, they would be, it'll, they wouldn't exist. Yeah. Think about that. That's kind of crazy. And so I think, I think staying with an author, knowing that I'm in the corner, but I, I also think that people quit. And so I way too early. So I'm like, if you really believe in yourself, surround yourself with people that have the gift of encouragement that will encourage you to keep going. Um, because it's really easy just to say, ah, you got to know, obviously let's go try something else, right? You're not going to make it. You see that in our business, we're in the entertainment business. You see that all the time, but the ones that stick it, stick it through gets me so excited. Cause when that finally, they finally get that yes. And their book finally comes out. It's the most rewarding, the most exciting thing ever. Like I, I absolutely love it because because they they believed in themselves and they surround themselves with others that believe in them too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think about C.S. Lewis, the process that he must have been going through in his soul every single time and just how much he had to lean into those that were around him, but no doubt to the power on the inside of himself to say, keep believing, like do not give up. Even if everyone around you gives up on you, you've got to be willing. Like, I just think about the, the crossover from that last letter to the yes, right? That had he stopped, had he quit, it's just that one I, and, voice away yeah. from and getting on one. <laughs> Exactly. And I have a publishing talk of so many famous authors that are like the most that had how many rejections they've had, because then I got into this role, right, of saying, who else got rejected? Who else? I mean, so many like super famous, like Dr. Seuss, so many rejections. Right. And he actually saved the rejection letters. So as I think of all of that, I'm thinking, man, it empowered me because I hear more no's than anyone. Because let's say you're representing 100 authors and you're pitching all of them for book deals. I hear more no's than anyone because it's no, no. And I'm like, okay, why did they say no? How do I figure this out? How do I get them to a publisher? Because I, I only have to find that one yes. I don't yeah, have to find 10 right. yeses. I just have to find the one yes. So I get no's all the time. And that kind of encouraged me, you know, reading these other stories. That I'm like, no, when I sign an author and just like when you came in and we're like, we feel we're supposed to do this. We prayed about this. We feel like we're supposed to do this book and tell the story and be part of your team. We don't quit. Like we're going to stay there. And so, uh, I mean, you could quit, but we don't quit. We're there to try to make, I love that. Let's figure out how to do this. Yeah, absolutely. It took me, I mean, from start to finish, it was 20 months for me, you know, in between running my company and homeschooling my kids and being, you know, a single mother, um, independent person and shifting from, you know, married life into a single life and taking on the role as a, a provider. And there was just so many different, so many changes and, you know, coming, coming through the process and the adult trauma that, that me and my children endured. And just, it, it is, it is such a process, but what I knew was that that process of writing my book, there was so much healing that was happening in me. And I, I truly just, continued to invest. I remember that last manuscript that I needed to get in to the editor. I, I stayed up for 72 hours. People are like, like legitimately, I said, I think I slept maybe for an hour, but I drink lots of coffee Me and too. I'm not really a coffee, a caffeine person, but I was like, oh man, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to do some Red Bulls on this one, you know, but it was like, it, it had to, it had to get done. Is there a defining moment, what I would consider uh, a watershed moment that it's one way before, once that moment happens, everything shifts. Is there a defining moment for you that stands out in your life that you would say, I remember that moment distinctly where I crossed over from pain to power that you can remember it shifted the, the trajectory of your life, your family, your company. A great question. Um, for me, okay, so there was a moment I was, okay, so I always just kind of give you this idea. I've always was an entrepreneur from like the age of 13. We were doing businesses. Making money was always easy for me. That was not a hard thing, which it business, money, entrepreneurship, selling, that was easy. So when I could, when I found my purpose of what God called me to do, and I matched it with my gifting of business, I was, it was the best thing ever, right? But yeah, I was working for a guy named Dave Ramsey. Loved Dave. I was running his publishing company, loved working for him. And I was, I got pregnant with my first child. So I was 25 years old, about to give birth, really, really successful. So I'm like, okay, 
good thing I did financial peace that I was, you know, I was debt free and able to do this, but I'm like, I'm going to leave this cushion, amazing job. As soon as I have a baby, you know, as soon as she's born, I'm going to start my agency. Cause I didn't want to just do financial books, right. Or think of 50 different ways to say the same thing in a book. Right. Yeah. I wanted to be able to tell other people's stories, but I was 25 and I literally looked like I was 15. Okay. So it's 25. I looked super young. And I'm like, who's going to sign with me, right? So, but I was like a hustler. So I'm like going, telling people <laughs> stories. They got to write books. We got this. And all the older agents were these attorneys. And it was kind of like um, a, the, liter- the literary world was really in, in, in faith-based publishing was very male-oriented, okay? So I was this young 25-year-old that looked 16, you know, saying I'm going to, and the big authors that everyone wants to sign had agents and They weren't going to take a risk on this young girl who didn't really know what she was doing, but was really good at sales. So I remember my strategy was, and it worked, right? But it was just like a total God thing. But my strategy was to go after all the youth pastors because the youth pastors didn't have agents, right? They, and they were all my age. We were all like 25, 24, 26. And we're all, we're all like, we all have stuff to say and we're, and social media it was 2003. So the only thing out was MySpace. There was yep. no Facebook or Instagram. So we were all right in the beginning when, when social media was starting. So I went after and I signed the Judas Smiths and the Stephen Furtick's and the, 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 the Chad Beaches and the Rich Wilkerson, all the young guys that were youth pastors. Yeah. Mark Batterson, you know, we all were together and we were, we all like believed in each other. Cause we're like, okay, you want to take a chance with me? And, yeah. and that kind of, and then you look back 19, 20 years later, they're all, they're all the senior pastors or running big churches or organizations, but we really all started together as young kids. I loved story. They all, they were amazing communicators. So we figured stuff out. So I think the defining moment was me willing to leave a huge job to go my first year as literary agent, I made $12,400. So that's, I mean, and I worked with, you know, little baby in a pack and play, juggled both, you know, and I think, I think it was believing myself that I wasn't going to say that $12,400 every, every year that I eventually would get back to where I was or bigger and yeah. be doing what I loved. And, and that was a huge defining moment because I took a risk and it was really hard because I'm like, I could have just stayed at an amazing job and been super happy there too. You know, it wasn't, but doing what I'm doing now, it's like, wow, I'm glad I took a risk on myself and took a, and also was debt-free that I was able to do that. But it was a complete life change from going to that, to having a baby, to making $12,400. And literally I felt like I was working way harder. Yeah. And it's, and you took the risk, yep. right? You took the risk and there was no guarantees. No, there was you no God was calling you to do it. Right. There was no guarantees on the other side of your risk. And you were like, I'm, I'm doing it. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And maybe it didn't make sense to a lot of other people. Like, why would you do this? You know, you're expecting and all of those reasons, but you know, you look back and you're like, it was, it changed everything for you. Look at where so, you yeah. are today. So Jules, it's a defining moment. I think all of us are like, all of us have those moments where it's like, should I leave this job or should I start something new? Or I want, I've always wanted to start my own company and do this. Should I do that? Because I'm leaving all of this that's already in place. That's guaranteed for me for something that's really scary and unknown. Doing that was a huge moment for me because I'm like, I believe in myself and I believe that God's called me to do this. I don't know if I'll be any good at it. Like, I think I'll be good at it. Um, I don't know how, I, I mean, I didn't ever dream that it would turn into what it is today, but what's the cool part is I was, my, my motto every day is I, I come into work and I say, God, I'm going to give you hundred percent of my time, whatever that is, because you'll, you're never done. Just like when you were writing your book, you'd never finish. You could keep going back yes. and rewriting it. You can keep mm-hmm. going. So I'm like, okay, it's like work. Like it depends on you and pray. Like it depends on God. It's a Mark talks about this and Mark Batterson talks about it in the circle maker, but literally that's what I do. Like work like crazy and then pray like crazy because there's no magic formula. If there was, we would all be, you know, out in the island somewhere, you know, never working again. If we could just pick the books that we knew would sell a million copies. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. There's not, there's not this formula where it's, it's this, you know, it's, it's a, so many people hate this word, but it's a process. It is. Like I always say, man, the, if you want to, they're like, Oh my God, please. It almost sounds like a four letter word, you know, please don't say process, but I'm like, the magic is in the process and there's no, 
there's no quick, you know, tell me, tell me how to do it. I, I laugh because there's this, I heard some, some teacher say a few weeks ago, I feel like we, <laughs> we're putting it in, in the microwave and God's pulling it out, sticking it in the crock pot. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, low and slow, baby. Like that's, that's the magic. That's how it happens. Right. Although there's, it's, it's interesting because you'll finish something or someone will look at, look where, where Esther is, look at the Fed agency. Some people see it as, man, that was fast. She has these New York times authors under her belt and who they represent. But you and I both know it's a process, right? Like that didn't just happen overnight. It's been the diligence and the perseverance and the resilience and you working hard and taking risk after risk after risk and hearing no repeatedly to get to the yeses. And that changes everything. So that's beautiful. What are some rhythms in your life that keep you moving and creating? Oh, good question. Like just a day in the life of Esther. Okay. So I, I'm this, you know, I, I read a lot of books too. Okay. So lots of self-help books. So I would think you would think I'd have it all figured out. Right. But I don't, I don't think there's ever, like, okay, for moms, let's take a women working women that are moms. Right. Or if, if yeah. it's a full-time mom, but you have a side hustle. Right. At the end of the day, what I realized is guess what we sacrifice ourselves at the end. Okay. So if you're saying, okay, I'm going to work out every single day or five times a week, I'm going to do my workout. Well, so guess what? Something happens. You, your kid gets sick or they need you for this. And guess what? We give up. We give up our workout because we're like, oh, we'll just do that tomorrow. So one of the hardest things I had to realize is when people talk about work-life balance and you're like a life coach, so you can tell me that I'm wrong here. I'm just talking from personal experience and I'm like all or nothing. I'm going to start something. I'm going to, I'm going to have the mental discipline to finish it. The problem is we don't have enough time in the day to say, okay, we're going to work out and we're going to run our job and we're going to get to do all the things we want with our kids. So what comes up is this mom guilt, right? And the mom guilt comes up and then we sacrifice ourselves because we don't, we feel guilty because we're working or we're doing this. And so that's been the constant struggle. I think for my daughter's 19 and my son is 17, I think for the last 19 years, 19 years has been the struggle of how much do I give my kids? How do I keep the responsibilities that I have that are my family needs and the sacrifices, sacrifices I have to make there. And how do I take care of myself? So one of the things really simple is I don't check my right in the morning when I wake up, this has been a discipline that I've been, the first thing I do is I will, I mean, I won't read the news. I won't look at people's Instagram. I will, I, I will just spend five to 10 minutes with God myself, right? Like if that's just praying, praying for the day, it could be listening to music, Christian music, worship music, whatever it is, just something that just gets me ready for the day. So that's been a cool technique. And at the end of the day, I'm learning that I should journal or write down, like spend five minutes, journal, (laughs) write down my thoughts, my feelings, whatever. And I'm horrible at that. So that's been a new kind of challenge of at the end of the day, slowing down and say, okay, what what am I, Esther, what are you feeling today? Because for so, for so much of my life, I've never thought about my own feelings. I'm just want to make sure everyone else is okay. And everyone else is provided for. So that's a really tough discipline that I'm learning. I do this thing called Orange Theory. Do you have Orange Theory by you? Orange Theory Fitness. Yeah. Yeah. So I got it from my, so this is what I do. Okay. I want to do Orange Theory. Well, so I get it for all my employees. So we're all doing Orange Theory because I'm like, okay, if they're doing it, then I have to do it. And it's team building. So we've been doing Orange Theory as a staff for almost a year now. And we love it. And so we compete against each other and I'm very competitive. So it's like this old lady, like me against these young girls. I want to, you know, I want to see how close I can get to them. I love it. Um, And like Brittany and Mariah, these two girls that work for me are runners, like amazing runners. So I'll never beat them. Like they could run marathons. Right. And, but I will try to keep up with them. I 100% Jules will say, I'm going to do my orange theory class and I schedule it. I schedule it on my calendar, just like it would be a Zoom call or something else. And I try never to have it move because if I schedule it, I'm going to do it. If I just say, okay, I'll do Orange Theory sometime tomorrow. Guess what happens? I never do it because there's always something that comes up. Yeah. So that's been a big like work-life balance. It's okay. How do I put one thing in for myself every day, which is the first thing that goes every day. So I schedule that. And then, you know, work, I had to get to the work's always going to be that it's never going to be finished. I don't have a job that it's like you close the day. Okay. I, I checked all my emails. My work is, it's never like that. My work's all done tomorrow. I'm going to start. It's, it's always going. So I have to give myself grace to say, I'm going to give it a hundred percent when I'm in the office. And then I'm going to shut my phone off yeah. at night. 
you know, and I mean, it's still on for emergencies, but that there's always tomorrow. So if a client has some emergency and they need me at midnight, maybe I'll pick it up. Maybe I won't. It just, it depends on the day. And I, I give myself grace for that. Um, and I'm trying to build a staff around me that they're all helping too. So it's not just all on me. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Well, and being if you all have there, any advice, tell me on work life. No, it's always great. I love what you, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's like for everyone, it's just like what we said earlier, there's not a magic formula, but there is a rhythm and there's rhythms that work well for us. And I encourage, I encourage my clients to, you know, instead of seeking another routine is to focus on the rhythms in your life and the things that bring you peace and joy and continuity. And then out of that, a routine develops, but instead of just seeking another checklist and looking for check, 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 you know, it's like the rhythm and the flow. And, and if we can establish that in our life, then we discover the joy again, you know, there's joy to be found in the journey of those rhythms and the process. And, you know, what you said is, is so powerful because in the rhythms of our daily life and those routines that, that matter to us being, being all in is living a life of intention. And when we can do that and be present, if, if we are with our kids or our spouse or significant other, if we just have 10 minutes be all in, in those 10 minutes, you know, while they're talking to you, don't be staring at your phone, right? Like take that, be intentional to set the phone down and make eye contact and, and really truly lean in and listen, because I really feel like the moments that, that we don't grab a hold of intention, Esther, that's, that's where the guilt, that's where the regret comes from, because we lay down at night and our head hits our pillow and we're like, ah, I didn't really like, I was there, but it's like, we weren't present and you know, it's like the awareness, but do something with that. When we, when we acknowledge that and we have the awareness of that, take that and put it into, put it into motion because there's the momentum that's gained from that. And share with me a little bit about your insight regarding mom guilt and and the work-life balance and what that feels like. Because you said you see, you felt like that comes up a lot in conversation, um, just one-on-one person. Yeah, it comes up a lot in conversations and it's something that I've, you know, when I have it figured out and then it's so easy to slip back into. So mom guilt, um, if any of anyone listening is feeling that it's, I don't think it's ever going to go away. It's why you say to give yourself grace. And I love what you said about being present in those moments, being present, put your phone down, you know, when you're with the kid, with your kid, put your, you know, really be there for them. If you're cooking dinner, you know, cook dinner, enjoy that family time at dinner, not all the kids on their phones or whatever. I went to this retreat. It was a five and a half day retreat. It was called onsite. And it was just like on living center. It was amazing. So I, no phones, no technology, no emails, no phone calls. So think about that in my world. It was like, wow, the world was really slow, right? Getting wow, yeah. to go for walks, enjoying nature, playing tennis, doing, you know, whatever. So I realized one of the big things is what is your, finding that one place where you recharge. So I realized that my place I recharge is on the golf course. So I love to play golf. It's nature. It's outdoors. It's four hours of no distraction of just being outside. I'm hitting something, which I love. So it's a sport. It's competitive. I'm competing against myself of what I did last time. So I realized that golf was something as a way that I recharge. It's something that I can give back to myself and it makes me healthier. So one of the things is, well, now my assistant, Brittany, has to schedule that in. So every two weeks, it's four hours. So I'm going to try on Fridays to get out at two o'clock to go golf, even if it's doing a golf lesson or if it's, but there's something there for me that I realized that, wow, I give that up and I have nothing. I'm just go, 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 go 24 seven, never stopping. And I'm exhausted finding that one thing. Like some other people had, like, maybe it was, um, I want to go on a hike, right? I want to do a two hour hike every week. Or people had like reading a book, you know, snuggling up and read, but what is that? What is your happy place when you're giving back to yourself? So as you're thinking about that, that was one thing I realized and then setting boundaries. So I think the hardest thing is to set boundaries because you're like, yes, yeah. I mean, as women usually, and I know because I work with all women, we say yes to everything. Like, yeah, sure, we'll do it. Even though we know like, how the heck are we going to do that? Like, where are we going to squeeze that in to throw that party when this whole week is this booked, right? So I've been learning on boundaries is realizing, okay, well, myself is important. I mean, I always, I feel like I always put 
what my kids needs are, what my husband needs, what do they need in front of what I need? And so I think like having, it's not that much, by the way, doing a workout three, four times a week and going golf once every two weeks, right? That doesn't seem crazy, but in my mind, it is kind of crazy. So giving myself that, okay, Jules, I'm going to be able to golf. I'm going to do that. Um, you know, the sacrifice means maybe I'm not going to get that other big deal that I wanted. Maybe I'm not going to get that, but that's okay. Cause I'm taking care of myself. Yeah. And so boundaries could look like saying no to a friend who wants me to throw a party or going to the 10th wedding this, this last, you know, couple months that I got invited to and saying, you know, I love you, but I can't, I just can't go to that wedding. So the hard part is saying no for me and then setting boundaries. Okay, these are the four or five most important things that I want to do this week. And then those are the four or five things I don't cancel. That's so good. You're giving yourself permission to recharge. Yeah. And you look at it like this. You shut down. Where does that leave everybody else? Here you are, mother, wife, running a company. There's, There's people that are depending on you. And you give yourself permission to recharge everyone around you. That's just it. Everyone around you is going to benefit from those moments that we take to lean into recharging. And if we don't honor our boundaries, how do we expect anybody else to? So if we're, if we are willing to honor our boundaries and willing to, to say, you know, sometimes no, sometimes we say no, it, it also means not right now. You know, it it doesn't mean that's forever and trusting the heart of God for our lives, you know, in those moments when we choose the better, when we choose something for our lives that brings that good in, we've got to believe that what's meant for us is meant for us and it's going to happen, but we can't just cancel ourselves in the process and believe that we're just going to be okay for a long time because we won't eventually we're going to burn out. So, you know what I realized? Okay. So what I was doing that, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to set golf, you know, I'm actually a better employee, a better agent, a better friend, a better mother when I have that time. So even doing orange theory or whatever your workout is, if it's going on a walk or whatever, even doing that three, four times a week, I'm happier, which is, and my employees doing it, they're happier, which is absolutely They get to leave at four o'clock to do orange theory. They can stay and work and not do orange theory, or they could go as a group and during work hours and we all go work out. They actually are happier. They actually get more work done. They're more productive, which is interesting. But we think, oh no, we need that hour because we promised that we would go to this, you know, this event or our kids need us to make them something or take them somewhere. I promise you, you actually, we've done it for a year. You're actually more productive. Yes. Yeah, it's weird, but it hands so down about that. It doesn't make sense on paper when you're looking at it because you're like, oh, I can make five more calls, or I could do this or that. But you actually, or I need to clean this the house, or I need to. You'll actually be better at cleaning the house if you do your if you do yeah. your one hour workout. Yes, absolutely. Every almost every morning for nearly six years now, it started off, and I talk about this in my book. Yep, it started off with just going to the trail and finding that inner warrior and being like, what, what is happening? You know, what's happening in my life. And honestly, I just say the day that I put those shoes on to go to the trail, they never came off. And for me, it just started off walking, you know, a mile or two. And I never, I didn't do it because, Oh, I want to eat this food or that food. Truly Esther, it was about my mental health. And I, I don't just say mental health. Now I say mental wholeness because we can over-spiritualize this you know, there's that, that moment in the, every morning, just like what you said, where I'm not, that's not a time for me, those two hours in the morning, you know, I normally give myself an, an hour and a half to two hours to go run, to, to lift weights, to do yoga, to stretch. So that's your like golf course. That's your like golf Absolutely. course on the yeah. trail. And I want to learn how to do golf. I told, and, and my youngest ones too, as well. I said, that's come it. Here. I, love, I love to walk and run. I need to get on the golf course. And I didn't even Anybody know that wants to come to Austin and go <laughs> golf with me. Yes. I'm doing yeah. it. I'm going to, I'm going to book myself. I'm going to book myself, but not, not during your, not during your four hour time. That's your time. But I, I read, it resonates with me because that is when I get the download. When we talk about spiritual and, and self-care and soul care, that time for me in the morning is where I get my head straight. I get my download, uh, my creativity, what I want to do for that day, 
just the decisions that I need to make. I get clarity more in that time than I probably do any other time in the week. It allows me to pray. It allows me to listen. I just put my, put my pods in and that's it. And just start, just start running. And it's, I love that you said that, you know, and, and it's like people, it, I like, we say, we got to do this, right? So many of us say, okay, we're going to do it, but we don't, it, we're stopped from doing it because we don't schedule it or we're not. So that's why I'm like, schedule it in your day. It's okay to schedule it. That was a big deal. Like, oh, is that bad that I'm scheduling time? And no, it's not schedule yeah. it in. schedule yeah, it in the morning at eight from eight to nine or seven to eight. You're going to go on a walk or a hike or whatever that is. Yes. And try, I say try it for a couple of weeks because once you do it, you're like, you'll realize, like, oh, wow, I got more done than I would have before. Exactly. Well, yeah, the serotonin, the dopamine, the things that it releases in our brain and in our physical body. And it's yeah, it, it changes. It changes everything. It's you know what, Esther, we're talking about non-negotiables non-negotiables. Yep. Non-negotiables. It is, there's, it's not up for negotiation, not just for outside for those that are, that are on, on the outside of our lives, but I'm talking about for ourselves. Like we have to identify what, what we will uphold, right. Those boundaries and those non-negotiables to say that it's, it's, it's written like this is, this is what we will uphold and, and just hold ourselves to that. And just remember what we feel like on the other side of that. Yes. If we sacrifice that something, something will miss out. Right. And, and nourishing and nurturing ourselves. It's, it's crucial. Yeah. It changes everything. So I'm excited. And you said you're starting to journal. That's yes. so exciting. And that on that onsite that I learned about journaling and cause I don't journal my feelings or anything. And it was, it's yeah. really hard, but since I've been doing it, it's like, wow, it just gets you to think with your feelings, like about your feelings and and recognize what you're feeling. You know, nothing has to happen with it, but just writing it, it's been a big difference. I'm like, wow, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like calmer at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I tell my clients journaling is like your journal. It's almost like it's, it's a shock absorber, you know, it, it putting that, putting your pain to paper, your joy, your gratitude reflection. I mean, I feel like with journaling, and I talk about this in my book, just, it allows you to reflect. I feel like it's this evergreen gift, you know, you, because- should, do a, you should do a journal, honestly, like of just like reflections yeah. or prompts, right? Because one of the things, if you don't journal like me, it's like prompts help me, right? Like if someone gave me some prompts, think about this right now, I'm just yeah. kind of journaling about like my thoughts, my feelings, you know, reflecting back on each day. And it doesn't have to be an hour it literally could be five minutes of me just writing some notes down, yes. but that, that five minutes actually helps. That's right. So talk yeah. about it. I know you're big on journaling. I didn't bring it up. I forgot about that until you told That'll me be my next project. Right. Yeah. I, I tell people, it, even if you scribble, I don't changing. care. Just do it. It's life-changing yeah. journaling. I, it is. Yeah, it is. It is life-changing. Well, I feel like I, it's funny because I tell people when you're journaling, you don't realize it, but you're, you're writing your book. You're writing a book, which is interesting because my journal entries ended up going into my book, right? Okay. Yep. So these moments and, and who you are today, you know, someone would look at your life and look at what you've accomplished and the connections that you have and the relationships that you have. But I know just like we talk about the village that is, is around us to bring a book to life. What are some things that are most important to you in your relationships that, that keep you legitimately like keep you going and, and fuel you? Well, number one, my relationships is we have fun, right? I mean, I want to, I want to be with people who are fun, right. That like to have fun. And we laugh a lot because I think laughter is just good for the soul. I have five brothers and one sister. So we have, my parents had seven kids and we're all a year apart. So my family wow. were all super close. We're like a big Ukrainian family, but we have text threats going all the time. We're making each other laugh. I mean, we, we act immature. We just, it's fun. It's, it, but it's also safe because it's your family. But I mean, that is like my core group are my, my five brothers would, would fly here today and fight for me or do whatever I needed. Like we're, we're all in each other's corner. I think the most important is making time for your, for your family or for your best friends. Like I have two best friends that I mean, same thing. We would do anything for each other. So I think like your close friends and your family or whatever that circle looks like to invest time in them. I mean, it's the World Cup right now. And I don't know if you follow the World Cup, Jules, but Argent my dad was born in Argentina and we're crazy Argentina fans. 
And um, everyone, I'm taking off work Tuesday afternoon. Everyone's coming over my house. We're eating empanadas and Argentinian pizza. I have, I, love three, it. I have three brothers and my mom and dad that all live in Austin. So they're all coming and we make a whole, it's like those moments. Um, and we're, we're crazy. Argent and anybody who likes Argentina is allowed to come over. It's not just my family. Like if you're an art, if you don't like Argentina, you can't come. But if you're an Argentina <laughs> fan, you can come. I love so I think, that. I think like the best, the thing I've learned about relationships and my life, my world is really busy. So my friends understand that, but they also know that if they had an emergency, I would drop anything for them. And I think that's, that's mm. the important thing. But if they want to chit chat in the middle of the day, I mean, really, I don't have time for chit chat in the middle of the day, just because of how my work schedule is good friends of mine understand that. And I understand like their time when they have four little babies, you know, little kids and me calling them at night's bedtime is a bad time, right? That's a good time yeah. for me, but a bad time for them. It's so finding those moments and creating, I'm big on creating experiences so everything to me is like, okay, a big experience. Cause you remember those experiences, but relationships, like even, I mean, I think if you would talk to, uh, we have about 400 clients. If you would talk to my clients, they would consider me a friend, even though like I do their business. We don't talk all the time. Sometimes you can talk just a couple of times a year, but they know I'm there for them and I'm for them. Yeah. Cause like, I know their story. I know them. Like, I don't care how famous you are. We, I know the, their hurt, their pain, their big story. I mean, they've shared probably stuff with me that they haven't even shared with their sports agent or yeah. their manager or their, we, we hold that really closely and carefully. And I feel like, I feel like as we talk about relationships, the mistake I made when I was younger is you think you have, and coming from a big family, you have to have so many friends. Yes. I don't have time to tell all my stuff to so many people. First of all, I'm a yeah. private person. Second of all, that's a lot. I don't, I just don't have that, that time in the day. So finding just, I think the Bible says if you can count your friends in one hand, right? Or there's something like that, that it's, it's, you're blessed. So yeah. I think I'm already blessed because I have five amazing brothers and amazing sister and amazing mom and dad. But I also have these two really great friends that are there for me all the time. And then I also have a mentor who's this amazing spiritual woman that I can call on anything. So I, I think as you look at your relationships, maybe cutting back and finding the ones that are, that are good for you. I had to get rid of some relationships of friends that were just super negative all the time. Always, you know, the Debbie, the downer. I don't want to be around people like that. Now that's just me. I want to, after my day, I want to be around people that want to fulfill their dreams and go after their calling and their purpose and believe God's going to do great things in their life. I'm not saying that we haven't had some horrible battles right together and sure. sickness and knowing that we're overcomers. Like I like to be around positive people. That's why I like you, Jules, right? Like after everything you've been through, I want to see people that see the light at the end of the tunnel, not that are these doom and gloom. Um, and I feel like when you're around people like that, you're going to be more successful. If you're around positive people that see the light, that think God's going to just do amazing things, guess what? You're going to start doing amazing things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, iron sharpens iron. I love that. So good. Okay, one last question. Knowing what you know now, what would you tell your younger self? What are some things that maybe you obsessed over or that you you gave into that you're like, heck no, I would not do that today? Oh, good question. Um, I would tell my younger self that you can go talk to anybody, right? Like, don't care that you're young, right? Mm -hmm. Just go after anything you want. Because I remember my younger self be like, oh, I can't go talk to that famous quarterback or that famous, I'm too young, right? I, I told myself that a lot. I'm not experienced enough. Man, people love if you're if you're green, but if you're on fire and you have energy, people love that more than someone who might have a degree and is super smart and brilliant and knows, but that aren't championing them. People like yeah. good energy. So I'll tell my younger self, go for it. You know, I did go for it, but I would say go for it more. Just go do whatever you want. Like go. There's nobody that you couldn't sign. Yeah. Do it afraid, right? I, do it afraid. People think that if you're asking and that you're taking a risk that you're not, that you're not afraid. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? I'm more afraid than ever. But it's like, when you come through and when you start taking risks and you experience what's on the other side of that, maybe you fail, but the point is, is that you actually did it. And I feel like it just fuels you to keep going. Well, I right? tell my daughter, who cares? The worst they could say is no, right? Exactly. No, yeah. just go for it. Who cares? Yeah, and you're like, I'm actually, I, I'm saying that from experience, right? <laughs> I feel like we take ourselves yeah. too serious. Like we're like, oh, but they're yeah. going to say no. And we're going to like, no, who cares? Just go, go for it. And I would tell anybody listening, if they're young and they're out of college and they're starting, go for it. Like people, yeah. you'd be surprised 
how many people would want to work with you or have you on their team because of your positivity and your energy. And literally the worst thing that could happen is a no. So what? At least you tried. You're not going to look back and say, I wish I went and, and studied abroad when I was younger. Or I wish I did this. Like you at least went for it. Yeah. So good. You know, there's a, um, a picture that I have on my wall that a dear friend gave to me. And it makes me think of you when I look at it. And it's a quote by Morgan Harper Nichols. I just love her. And it says that your story of resilience will stir up hope in others. And Esther, you do that. And your team does that. God works through your mission and your gifts and your callings to stir up hope. I I just want to say thank you in the live version, um, outside of just what I put in my book. Thank you for believing in me and my family and the story and what I had to say, what you've done for so many that you've said, yes, the courage and the hope that you stir up in others to, to overcome the scripture that says that's how we overcome by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. And to be able to get that out there and the fed agency to, to just be this canopy of grace of like how you how you and your team are able to do what you do. And before we wrap up today, so Thank what you. would you what would you like to tell our listeners how they can get in touch with with the Fed Agency? You can follow us on Instagram at the Fed Agency. You can also um, if you have any info at the Fed Agency, if you have any questions, if you have any like, hey, I want to write a book, I don't know the process, or I heard you say this, is there anything anywhere you can lead me? We love helping people or pointing, it might not be us, but pointing them in the right direction or getting helping them get a start. So I would say info at the Fed Agency or follow us on Instagram. Um, we also have Facebook and uh, Twitter, and but I would say Instagram is the one we look at the most. Amazing. Thank you for your time today. So great. Jules, us. You're amazing. I always love talking with you. This has been I great. Know. You too. Hey, I'm, I'm looking forward to our golf day. We're going to make okay. that happen. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Cheers, thank friends. You. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Yellow Soul today. I can hardly believe that 2022 is coming to a close. And so is season one of Yellow Soul. We made it through, you guys. And I just am so honored and delighted that Esther said yes and that we were able to close out season one. I just feel like she put the bow on something so beautiful that we launched this year. And where would I be without you, our beautiful listeners? So thank you for leaning in and pressing pause with us, sharing episodes, providing us with reviews. And I just, I love knowing that you're on the other side and it means so much to me. And thank you to all of our brilliant guests who shared their stories of resilience with us this year. The dialogues that we've had, the laughter, washing dishes together, cooking together, riding in the car together. (laughs) We just, we have full lives, right? And I look forward to starting the new year with you. 2023 holds so much goodness. I'm praying for you. I believe in you. I want you to know that you're seen, known, heard, and loved. Please don't forget to share this with a friend. If something in this episode spoke to you today, chances are it will speak to them too. And don't forget to like and subscribe because that way you'll know when season two is launched and you'll be the first to know when all of our new episodes come out. Thank you again for being here with me on this journey. Don't forget to pick up a copy of my brand new book, Watershed Warrior, on Amazon.com, Audible, iTunes, and Kindle. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I will see you soon. Cheers, friend.